Praise God. Amen. 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 And amen again. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We magnify. We lift you up. You are the most high God. And we acknowledge that. We're not doing anything that you don't already have. But we're acknowledging who you are. And we love you. And we put you in the highest place in our lives where you belong. We so love you. We so honor you. And we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So yesterday we were talking about um, uh, Jesus in his resurrection power and uh, talking about how that power was introduced to the earth so that Jesus could have somebody uh, on earth believing that he would be raised from the dead. Amen. Um, it's, it's a blessing when, when we understand as much as God gives us to understand. And so this is the story. We were going through the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, uh, and at his tomb and the, the things that transpired there. Uh, Jesus was looking for faith. And he was building faith as he was going. Uh, he was showing faith through his preaching. If people would hear and believe, they would start to receive faith in what he was saying. Amen. He introduced God's kingdom, which he was re- going to release for all believers on the earth at the proper time. But at the time he walked the earth, he was teaching, demonstrating the things that uh, God would would had in store for people who would believe, who would devote their lives, who would stop what they're doing and follow him, pick up the cross and follow him. All of that was in in operation as he was living on the earth and doing a three year ministry In three years, he turned the world upside down, totally revolutionized people's lives. He uh, allowed people to step into his miracle working power. He freely gave everything that he had. You know, oftentimes when people have power, they try to keep it to themselves because power gives you leverage. It gives you influence. Power does a lot of things for people. Amen. You know, there are ministers that think they can keep secrets from, you know, when they find out some revelation in God and don't want to share it with other people and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and there's no, no prophecy of God that's a private interpretation. There's no private interpretation of the word. Oh, God, Jesus did what he did publicly. Amen. And it was free for everybody to believe and receive on it. And so this is something we have to understand about faith, that when the word goes out, that the ability to believe resides in you and in that word. There is faith going out on the word, and you can mix it with the faith that's in your heart, and you can get the benefit of it. That's free to everybody. So nobody can keep you from doing anything that God wants you to do. Amen? Men don't have that kind of power unless you give it to them and you give it to them because you you're stuck in your old mindset of, you know, somebody it's somebody's fault that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Amen. Maybe God doesn't want you there. 
or maybe he doesn't want you there right now, you know? So always trust God in all things. If there's something he wants you to do, trust me. He's more than willing, anxious, and, and ready for you to do it. You know, if you, he, he's the one who has to equip you. He's to teach you. He's open the doors. He has to do all of that. And so once though God begins to empower you, it's with resurrection power. This is a different power than what Jesus walked in when he was on the earth. When he, he walked in a power that could do all things, but as it was released to him, he was able to accomplish those things. When people would believe on him, they would believe for the things that he preached. Amen. And, and he had not preached raising from the dead yet. Amen. He had demonstrated a couple times, but now he wants believers to understand what kind of power they really will be entitled to once he is able to release it to the whole world. So uh, I thought I'd just basically uh, look at the word resurrection and what it means. Amen. To re- Resurrection means to repurpose. It means to stand again. Now, why is that important for us as believers? Because at one, when we were created in the garden, at one time we stood with God. Amen. That was taken away from us. We were robbed of that. So when God brings back what we need, he does it. He repurposes us. We are not the same Adam and Eve creation that he originally created in the garden. We are repurposed. We are transformed. We are reestablished. We are in better shape now than we were in the garden, if you can believe that. See, in the garden, we were subject to death. If you do that, you will surely die. And the devil came and lied and said, you ain't going to die. Amen. God just don't want you to have what he has. Amen. Same old lie he perpetrates now. If if there's a delay in something that we've been praying for, well, God must not want me to have this. Am I sure he told me? I Am I sure? I, always putting in doubt God's love for us and our standing in that love. And so what what Jesus did with the new birth He put God inside of us. When we were in the garden, God was on the outside. Now he's on the inside. And Jesus said, devil, mess with that if you can. Amen. Mess with that. So we have been repurposed. Our purpose now is different. Our purpose is that we would serve God through preaching the gospel and gathering back his children to him. So we have the job of of gathering back souls to God, cleaning up the devil's mess, amen, allowing souls now to freely receive of the things that God has for them. It means to stand again. To to resurrect means you stood one time and you didn't make it, so he's going to stand you up again. See, it's a demonstration of God's eternal power. His power from eternity over all things. 
you know, if something goes on in your life and God lets it go on, trust me, he's got a plan somewhere to get that back from you, for you. You don't have to worry about what somebody is doing and, and they're not treating you right or they're not doing this or do. Listen, if it's for you, God's going to make sure it comes to you. He's going to stand you right back up again in that thing. It's never gone forever. Amen. It's never gone forever. Why? Because of resurrection power. Resurrection gathers all of the lost things and brings them back to us in a better form. When Adam and Eve, when they they erred and sinned and stood against God, they did it through deception. Now we don't have to be deceived anymore. You've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you'll cooperate with him, there's no more deception for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no more deception. You, You know, if you willingly walk away from God, he's able to restore you again. He's able to wipe all the deception off, all the, the misunderstanding, all the nonsense, and clear your head up and get you straightened up. He's a perfecter. He's a fixer. Resurrection power fixes this stuff. Amen? It re, it really means to re-covenant. And we see that in the, the New Testament. We have a new covenant, a better one based on better promises even than the old. Adam and Eve, Eve had a covenant of life with God and they violated it and fell into death. We've been recovenanted into everlasting life. Everlasting life was shut off from them. Then the the angel stood with the flaming sword, stood at the opening, the gate of the, the garden to guard it so that they would not eat of the tree of life and live forever in a fallen state. And so now we've been introduced to eternal life with Emmanuel, God with us, living on the inside of us. So we're repurposed. Amen. The garden, we lived in the garden in the first first creation. Now the garden's inside us. We are the vine and he's the branch. We are the branches and he's the vine. So we draw from his life. He, there is life, eternal life is inside of us right now. That's how you get to go to heaven. Because you got the Holy Ghost in you and he ain't locked out of nothing. Amen. And he can put us into eternal life while we're here walking in our mortal bodies. We have eternal life in us. So what you receive from God can never be taken away from you. It's yours forever. What God does lasts forever. That's why the devil always trying to tell you it's not yours. Well, you did so and so and such and such and you can't have you a liar, devil. You the one who can't have nothing. I already have it. You're too late. I got it already. Amen. And so that's what it means to have resurrection life. It keeps living. It keeps you try to knock it down and it bounces right back up. It stands up again. Amen. It can never, it can never be put down as long as you put your faith in it. God, I got resurrection power in me. Show me how that works. Amen. Show me how to work that in my life because I want to live that life. Amen. It means to set forth again. 
we were set forth in obedience to God one time, we're set back again to obey God. Amen. And, and this time he really means we're going to be successful at it. We have everything that we need to be successful in what God has given us to do. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Spend more time in your word than you spend anywhere. And let the enemy just just talk. He'll get tired of talking after a while. You see, you ain't going to do anything and listen to him. Amen. So, So we have that in us, dwelling in us already. Romans 8, 11 says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead quickens us, brings us to life. If you've got any life in you, it's that life. Amen. We're not talking about just mortal life. We're talking about something beyond mortality. Amen. We're talking about resurrection life and power. Whatever dead thing that, that the enemies tried to kill out of your life can be raised up again. That's how we can claim healing. Amen. You know, is there's people that, that are waiting on uh, limbs to be replaced and joints to be replaced. Resurrection life will, will bring them joints back to life again. Amen. You start working on that with the word. You get laser focused on that thing getting getting back to where God says it's supposed to be and see if it won't happen. Amen. Just be consistent in it. Just be faithful in it. Do it on a continual basis and don't quit and don't give up. Amen. That's what resurrection life will do for you. There are times when we, we think we're tired of praying and tired and we ain't done nothing. I don't know what you're so tired of because you really ain't doing nothing. Jesus is doing all the heavy lifting. He does all the work. You, you just need to chill and go along for the ride. You know, learn how to put your faith to work. Amen. If God says he's got it, he's got it. And it's nothing. You can't do anything better. Because we always taking stuff from God. Like, Let me see what I can do. I bind you. I, 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 I. Let's go, go, go chill. Don't rest your little nerve. Okay. Because the next thing we know, you're going to be wanting to quit again. And God's going to have to undertake. Just let him have it. He'll let you know when you can pipe in and do something. If he don't tell you nothing, just go somewhere and stay quiet. Amen. When the dust settles, you'll have your stuff. I guarantee you, you will have your stuff. Amen. (laughs) But that's resurrection power. It rebounds and rebounds and rebounds and rebounds. Amen. I know when we first started the ministry, it seemed like everybody that was my friend stabbed me in the back. And I told the Lord, I said, you know what, Jesus, I'm getting a little tired of these backstabbers and backstabbings. And he told me, he said, well, he said, I'm your healer. And the way he said it, I said, well, if that's the case, then I'm good. Amen. As long as I know you're going to heal me, I'm good. Amen. And I think that's good advice for everybody who's so sensitive about everything. Amen. It is. It's just, you know, you know, we, we're, we have more, we're more than Rambo ever was. Amen. 
So just tie your do-rag on your head. If you get shot, take a little tourniquet and bite it off, you know, tie it up, bite it with one hand and just pull that out and keep it moving. Everybody's so... Huh? Like my mother used to tell me, girl, you better put that mouth in and get on out this house. <laughs> Amen. You know, that's, I mean, we didn't have any brothers to get in trouble. Know how you run home? I'm going to tell my brother on you. We didn't have no brothers to get beat up and arrested and all that kind of stuff on our behalf. We were four girls who had to learn how to take care of themselves. Amen. And my mother knew it. And so that's what she taught us to do. You didn't run from bullies. You chased them. Huh? You made them. I used to call her, 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 uh, her Cherokee stare. You know, you. And dare it to move. Huh? And you really wouldn't go hit nothing because you just trying to get home from school, but you made them think you'd. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Or you pull out your Swahili stuff. <laughs> Kill you with blow dart. Oh, uh, whatever. Long as you made it home from school that day, you're cool. You learned, you live to fight another day. Amen. So you got to pull some of that out when you face the devil because, you know, he'll come up to you and want to tell you what to do. Amen. Rob you and make you think you're not worth anything. God, like Jesus didn't really die for you. Amen. He's already proven his love to us. You need him to keep proving it to you over and over again. Amen. Amen. Just receive his love. Take it as as a gift from him and appreciate it. Amen. And act like it. So, so Jesus is, is at the tomb of Lazarus. We'll go there. It's in, um, where was it? I think John, John chapter 11. Amen. Praise God. Jesus has a lesson to tell, to teach. And I don't think we, we can discount ourselves from being in the Holy Ghost classroom of Jesus. Amen. There are times when we need to go through things for the process of learning. Don't think it's all because of getting stuff that you're, you know, he said the heathen want that stuff. That That's what they think about, what they're going to eat, drink, wear. When something happens to any of that stuff in your life, it is simply a bait to get you to step into the realm of faith so that Jesus can teach you the most important lesson and that is your faith. See, we get impatient because we don't, you know, the pain is still here or we haven't moved an inch on this or we haven't moved very far on that. If God let you move as far as you want to move, let's say it again. If he let you move as far as you want to move, you'd go into his storehouse, raid it, pack it all up, get a U-Haul, back it up there, move it all in your garage, build a bigger garage because that one ain't big enough. 
And then you go lay down in the Bahamas somewhere, never preach, never pass out a track, never lay hands on the sick, never do. You get the saints a little nervous about their provision, about their money, about anything like that. And you have a fasting, praying, dedicated, giving, sowing. Don't want to reap nothing, just want to sow. I'm in a sewing mood, God. I'm going to get out there and sew this. Oh, turn the plate down. I ain't eating for 40 days. 41 days. Turn it down. I don't need nothing. Just me and the Lord right now. Amen. And he loves that. That's the way he likes to see us all the time. Amen. Seeking him. Trust me, he knows how to get everybody in here to seek him. He even get the backsliders to seek him. Amen. Show up in a place they least suspect he's going to be. They think they're running from him. And he showed up in their favorite bar or right in the middle of their Coke party or whatever it is they're having. Shows up right in the middle of it. So God is not worried about any of us. Amen. Falling off the trail or whatever. He knows how to get us back on our knees. Amen. And we need to stay there. Amen. That needs to be our special place of contentment. Amen. <laughs> God, God will do what he wants to. I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me the the evidence that, that you can see sometimes of God's power to invade certain strongholds. You know, where, where he was, I was watching, the reason I bring, I was watching the, uh, it was like a, uh, maybe a history documentary type on the 700 Club. And it showed some, some, uh, footage from, it, it was like maybe an hour or so long. Showed some footage of Pat Robertson when he first started and he tells a story about how he got started and, you know, I got born again. God began to speak to him and his wife wasn't saved yet. They got saved and all of that. And I was thinking, I said, well, why are they putting this on? I thought, well, his wife recently passed away. And, um, you know, Pat's way up in years. He's in his 90s now. And he's given the ministry over, you know, he's always discipled his leadership there in that ministry. He's got people right now who could take over and in a heartbeat, you know, if anything were to happen with him and, and things would go on. And then I started to think about the people that he has discipled into that ministry. And I was looking at Terry Mewson because they showed her on there, you know, still and Terry up there. You, y'all know what I'm saying? Everybody up there that's in leadership. But that woman has been so devoted and she used to be Miss America. And she threw her crown down at the feet of Jesus. And you see her in these foreign countries with where you know there's like not no Miss America type facilities in them places. I mean, they barely have running water. Now, I know they take care of people as best they can, but she's over there in in less than humane conditions sometimes, just loving on orphans. And hugging these small children, making sure they're fed, making sure they get medical attention, making sure Miss America. 
So if she's bowed to Jesus already, trust me, once once God knocks down a stronghold and he gets one, the rest come tumbling down. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's got Miss America already. I mean, that belongs to him. He can save anybody in that that crowd he wants to save now because the stronghold's broken. Now, somebody with foresight prayed for that woman to get saved. Amen. And take what she had influence over with her. You got me? So that that there's nothing God can't do. I mean, there's no stronghold he can't break into and retrieve souls anytime he wants to. There's nothing off limits for him. If he can do that in that kind of stronghold, amen, where where all they think about is appearance, amen, he's getting ready to make some plastic surgeon stars. He keeps saving women out of that thingy. You know, that that's the end of that industry. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? All he needs to do is now get the preachers out of it. You got me? So, (laughs) back to Lazarus. I was thinking about something, but I ain't going there. We get back to Lazarus. Hit me, Poppy. I got to get back to where I belong. (laughs) Sober me up here. Amen. So, what we found out at the tomb of Lazarus was that Jesus wanted to demonstrate to the people something that they desperately needed to know. And he gets to the tomb and and we see that people are mourning there. They know Lazarus is dead. They believe that for some reason Jesus did not show up on time. So the enemy likes that because he can put our whole relationship with God in doubt. And and he would like to have turned all these people in this whole city against Jesus because Lazarus was, was kind of like a key figure there. Uh, he was well-known and well-liked. Um, and, and it seems he was kind of a prominent person. I think he was also a relative of Jesus. Um, some accounts, some people that are scholars and look up these things, I seem to think that he was a family member, but whatever he was, there was a lot of attention drawn to this, a lot of attention. And so it looks like he might've been a little prominent because he had a, a, a rich man's tomb, so to speak, tombs that have stones in front of them carved out of the, the, the earth and all that kind of stuff were pretty expensive and they were reserved for more prominent people. And so they have laid him in the tomb in John chapter 11. Jesus then comes to the tomb in verse 34. He asks, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And he wept when he got to the tomb. Jesus is focused on what he has to demonstrate to the people. He's got Lazarus already. We talked about the difference between being dead and being asleep. Jesus, when he is holding somebody's soul in life, which he was with Lazarus, when he, when they told him he was near death, he immediately said he prophesied over Lazarus at that point. 
he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. In other words, death is not going to stay on him. God is going to get glory out of this. And we talked about God being glorified when our prayers are answered, not when people die and go to heaven. Amen. You want God to get glory because you're praying for this person to be healed. Amen. And sometimes, you know, there are times we miss it. I mean, but that doesn't stop us from praying in faith the next time. See, if you think God is switching up on you, then you're going to be reluctant to ever trust him again. God wants us to pray. You don't pray for people to die anyway. If 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 you're going to if you don't think God wants to heal them, you just don't pray at all. You don't need to assist death. That's stupid. So you've got eternal life in you and God calls the body of Christ to agree with that eternal life. But Jesus has already prophesied over Lazarus and said this sickness is not unto death but the glory of God. The glory of God is revealed in signs, wonders, and miracles. When we pray for his glory to fall, we don't pray for people to die. We're not expecting death. We're expecting healing. We're expecting miracles. We're expecting them to get up from the dead. Amen? And so God wants us to to do this. He wants us to live like this. There are places where resurrection power is resident because people expect it and because they're in faith for it. In this situation, that was not the case. Nobody here is expecting this man to get up out of the tomb. Amen. Nobody except Jesus. So he has to do what he has to commit himself now to raising Lazarus from the dead. So everything that you see him doing is moving toward that. So he's not weeping because he's mourning and he misses him. The carnal people who are standing by who have no faith are thinking that. Oh, how he loved him. He's mourning just like we are. He ain't over in your your realm. He's in a different realm than you're in. He's there to bring it back to life and not to go your way of hopeless, helpless. All we can do now is cry and miss him. That's not where Jesus is at all. So everything you see him doing is geared toward bringing this man out of death back into life. And he says here, when he says, where have you laid him, Lord, come see, he wept. That weeping was a type of intercession. Have you not wept when you prayed before? Amen. So he's interceding to move past all this death, discouragement, and disappointment. Funerals, where you go into funerals, especially if the person did not die in the Lord, and saints are not there encouraged because they'll be able to see that person again, amen, there is some weeping, there is sadness at all funerals. People, the Bible says there's a time to weep and a time to mourn. You got me? Now, you don't go and take over the the funeral and say, oh, we got to rejoice. You let people do what they do. That's their right to feel like they feel. This is the time to do it, is at the funeral. We didn't change it now to home-going services. And, you know, we try to cry shame people, you know, shame the people that are weeping. Let them people weep. They miss who they miss. You got me? There's a time for that. And, And it can be allowed if 
people with a right brain will, you know what I'm saying. Come on now. And then they said, behold how he loved him. Like he's missing him is why he's crying. And some of them said, could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that all of this is in the past. They all think it's too late for Lazarus. They're not looking for him to get him up out of that tomb. They're thinking Jesus is there just like an ordinary mourner, just like everybody else. And he knows what his job is there to do. Verse 38, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, comes to the grave. Groaning is interceding. He's working to get to the point where he can do what God wants, the Father wants him to do. He's wrapped up in human flesh. Remember that. There's certain things he does to get human flesh out of the way and get his spirit free so that he can do what the Father wants him to do. Amen? Just like you or I would. And he told them, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, says to him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead four days. Now, you can see where her mind is. He's already dealt with Martha trying to get her in faith. And it was a no-go. Amen. He said, didn't I tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? Well, she refuses to believe. See, anybody there could have flipped and begun to believe. Well, Jesus is here. Maybe he's going to get him. You know, just even a maybe is enough faith to get God moving. But they're so steeped in their feelings. They're so steeped in what they already believe. They refuse to move. Is there not one person there who would believe him that he would raise him from the dead? They're saying, oh, how he loved him. You know, if you love somebody, you'll get them up out their grave. Why can't love do that too? Amen. Love can do more than weep and cry with everybody else. And so he says, when when he, he rebukes her and he says, did I not say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Amen. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but for the purpose of these people standing here, I'm saying this. There were many things that Jesus did for the purpose of teaching people about the kingdom. Jesus teaches in real time, folks. He's not sitting there and giving everybody a book and a pad and a pencil. He puts you right in the midst of the situation and he teaches you. Huh? We got any hairdressers, nurses, doctors, lawyers. They put you over in the situation. Amen. You sit there, you've been working on that mannequin and abusing it for nine months. And they say, well, it's time for you to work on some real people. Now you didn't. That mannequin ball headed and, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff that messed him up. Let's get you on some real people. The first time you turn the water on, you're scared it's too hot, it's too cold, you make mistakes, you're scared of your mistakes, you realize they're not fatal. You almost drowned your client, but you didn't quite drown them. 
Amen. Almost burnt a scalp out, but it's still there. Huh? Left a relaxer on too long, the developer on too long, but they survived. Amen. That's all Jesus is doing here is teaching in real time. These are real situations where he allows people to enter into what he's doing to demonstrate, to teach how the kingdom operates. And if he can get a few people to go into the realm of faith with him, then he's accomplishing what he needs to do. He said, and I know that you hear me always, verse 42, but because of the people that are standing by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. They may believe that you have sent me. You mean all these people are around Jesus all the time? He cast devils out of Mary. He's done all this stuff and they still don't believe no. Or he wouldn't have to do this. He's still trying to get people to believe that he's the Messiah. He's the one that God has sent. There, there were certain cities that Jesus had to condemn because they refused to believe. All of them were Jewish strongholds. He's come to his own. The Bible says he's own received him not. They're looking for something else. They think he's not the one. Their, their eyes are clouded because of doubt and unbelief. Amen. The, the Bible says that the, the Gentile was already in darkness. So God had to put the Jew in the same darkness. To put everybody on a level playing field or the Jew would have had an advantage over the Gentile in believing. So God shrouds them all in the same darkness, unbelief. And guess who pops out of the darkness first? The Gentile. The Jew is still standing on tradition, still standing on Messiah is yet to come. They've been so used to looking for him to come. They're satisfied just looking. And he's here and they don't recognize it. Very few of them recognized it. And the ones who did it tried to do it on the QT. Amen. You see Nicodemus. He, now he's been sitting up in the synagogue listening to Jesus pray, but he won't ask him questions out in the open. So maybe some other person in blindness could be helped too. So he comes to him at night wanting to ask him some stuff about the kingdom. You got me? So all of this was to protect what they already had, which wasn't the answer anyway. They didn't even obey the old covenant like they should. If that was so precious to them, why didn't they obey it? Because they couldn't. And they didn't want to admit that they couldn't. It's the same thing with religion now. Religion makes up so many lies about why there's no power in the in the churches that they're in. No, that went out. We don't believe in that. You can't preach that here. You can't talk about that here because that's done away with. We don't, you know, that that's of the devil. Everything's of the devil. Amen. And so when you talk about the fact that 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 they didn't believe, that unbelief is still among religious people now. Some people would rather have their Sunday, Wednesday nonsense 
than to to forget that and just start trusting God to do the supernatural. You got people who need to be healed that would rather go to the doctor than to step out in a little bit of faith and say, well, God, can you do this for me? Is is it true you don't do this anymore? Do you still heal people? Now, see, it's common to us because this is our conversation. Amen. But you go in some places where there's darkness, just like there was here at this tomb. You know, Jesus had got a job to do. There's a dead on the inside of the tomb and dead on the outside of the tomb. There's nothing but death all around. So he's got to plow through all of that and get Lazarus up and in the, in the process attempt to get people to believe that he can do it before the man comes out the tomb. When he's up and walking, anybody can believe it. But beforehand, that's when the payoff, blessed is he who has not seen yet believed. Thomas, you believe because you see. He didn't say that. He didn't recommend that. That was not that a blessed condition for Thomas. It's like, don't come at me again like this, Thomas. Straighten up now because you can believe before you see anything. Don't keep walking around like this. Straighten up. Amen. Why? Because he was going to have to be a a pillar of the church. He was one of the 12, well, 11 now with Judas, you know what I'm saying, gone. But he's, there's a mandate on leadership to straighten up and believe the word of God. Always has been, always will be. So he says, because of the people that stand by, this is why I'm saying this. He's teaching as he goes that they may believe that you have sent me. In other words, believe that I'm the Messiah. They're walking around seeing this man. Do, Who do you think that? Oh, there's you one of the prophets. John the Baptist raised from the dead. Now they can believe the resurrection that John's up and, and he's walking around and that ain't Jesus anymore. You got me? I mean, how fantastic is that to have to believe? It's actually harder to believe some of the unbelievers stuff that they believe than it is to believe the word of God. You'd have to really stretch. When they had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Why loud? Because sometimes a whisper won't get it. You got me? You got to shout over all the dead demons that are standing there with their hands over people's ears, tightening their hardened hearts, stiffening them up. Amen. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. We talked about that yesterday. How did he come out bound? Huh? Nope, resurrection power. It's supernatural. It will cause you to do things that look like you can't do. Huh? So he really didn't need them to unwrap them, but he they needed to unwrap him. See, this is all for the people looking on, not just to blow some minds, bring that stinky man out of there. Huh? 
His sister pronounced him stink. We believe her. Huh? You've been in there four days. Your body saw corruption. It started to break down already. Amen. The grave clothes are really just to keep the the skeleton intact so the body doesn't fall apart just laying there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just whatever's left over to keep that skeleton intact. And he said, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things with Jesus did believed. Oh, finally we believe. Couldn't take him at his word. Let all those Gentiles put them to shame. The centurion believed the word. Syrophoenician woman believed the word. The woman with the issue of blood, we believe she was Jewish, but we don't, this doesn't really say that, but she took him at his word. You had a few, a few Jews here and there who would cross over that line of legalism and obey their faith and allow them to receive what God had for them. Most of them stayed over the line. You saw most of them were being held hostage at the synagogues by the Pharisees. We kicking you out of here. You go over there to that Jesus meeting and you don't don't come back here no more. Amen. Use coercion threatening whatever they needed to use people people listen if they killed jesus what was it to kill people or lock them out of church you work in that power you keep and even in the book of acts after jesus had died and was raised from the dead they're still threatening them with the synagogue stuff you can't come here no more we're putting you out of our organization we're putting you out of our church you got me you need to leave and keep running. If somebody can threaten you, I mean, with something like that, my goodness. So many believed, it says, many of the Jews which came to Mary. This is one of Jesus's last efforts to bring his own people in. Amen. You can see the lengths that God will go through to keep a promise to people. They didn't believe his preaching. They didn't believe his teaching in the synagogue. He went in the synagogue and healed people, brought them out whole. And what did people do? They still stayed stuck in their own religion, their old stuff. Amen. They liked it there. They were afraid to move away from there. And so Jesus here, he goes to this extreme. Poor Lazarus. He's waiting on his healing and he died. Why? So that others through his resurrection could live. Others could believe. He became like the, the sacrifice or the seed that was sown to bring others to Christ. You got it? And so this is, this is what's necessary sometimes for seeds to be sown so that others can receive. Amen. What, what we have. Sometimes God will will have you walk through things that he could easily touch you and raise you. Look in the Bible and see where Jesus touched people and, and they their minds came back normal. Here's a, the Gadarene demoniac guy over there at Decapolis. And he's, Jesus just, just cast 
a legion of devils out of him. And he was there with clothes on in his right mind. You know, I was depressed for five years. I would read that story. I said, God, it's nothing for you to touch me and do this. But some people need to walk through stuff. I needed to walk through it. I needed to understand what was happening to me. Why? So I could have faith to get me started in doing something what God wanted me to do. See, it's not all about you getting what you need all the time right away. He wants us well. Now. We can have it. Now. But he has to get us there. We have to start where we are, and he walks us up to that point. But we get there. Amen. Don't complain about the process. What we're seeing here is process. This is how people are convinced that that God is real, that Jesus is who he says he is. So my note here at verse 45 is mission accomplished. It's not just a, see, Lazarus being healed would not have accomplished this. So you see a, a reasonableness here. Jesus is holding his soul in life. He's not suffering anywhere. You understand what he's in paradise, wherever the saved souls went. Amen. And so he's waiting for his resurrection and it's coming sooner than, than Mary. Martha thought it was supposed to come. I believe he's going to raise up on the last day. We're not looking for you to recite scripture. You don't believe Martha. She didn't believe none of that. She was just reciting it. Amen. Her faith wasn't even engaged. And so it says here, but some of them went their own ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. So here you got this split congregation. You've got humble people there who are paying attention, who want the truth. And then you got your spies who want to go and, and have something to accuse Jesus of again. Because they believe in the old system. So you're wondering why Jesus has to weep and groan at the grave. It's not just to get the dead out of there, but it's to get people's minds converted. It's he's 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 interceding for the people there so that they can believe. He's got resurrection in him already. He can get Lazarus up anytime. But he has to go through what he needs to go through to convert those souls who are standing there who will perish in hell if he doesn't get them converted. Amen. So it says, um, verse 47, they gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what are we going to do? For this man does many miracles. And if we let this alone, all the men will believe on him. And the Romans will come and take away what we have. So this is the God of mammon versus the God of heaven. This is the God, the prince of this world versus the kingdom of God. This is always a conflict. And there are always going to be people who are going to be beholding to the world system. They like what they have. They don't want to let God strip them down to where they really believe and start them all over again. You've got empty churches and people who who pastor them scratching their heads and trying to figure out what to do. 
they don't, it, you know, if, if you, I don't care where you are in ministry, if God has spoken to you and you're doing what he wants you to do, praise God. You're far ahead of some of these people who are still looking at empty buildings or half empty buildings trying to figure out things. Well, we used to have how many people, how many empty seats do we have now? Are we up to capacity yet about all of that old stuff? All the old wineskins. All of the, the, you know, they haven't, they haven't heard Isaiah 43. You know, behold, I do a new thing. New means you can't resurrect the old and make it work. It means you got to step into the new. You got to forget the former things. You know, there are many people trying to, trying to keep going what they had before all of this COVID stuff. It wasn't about COVID. It's about the move of God. It was there. It, the COVID doesn't run anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just not about that. It's about what God's doing, the new thing that he's doing. And if that means you let go of the old totally, that means you let go of the old totally. Amen. And everybody's feeling the pinch. Everybody's having to live with it and having to, to work with it. Amen. And so my Advice is, let it go. If it's God, he'll give it back to you. He'll give you what belongs to you. Amen. People are so worried about numbers. God's looking at numbers all right, but he's looking at the numbers. He Didn't didn't David get in trouble for counting people? If one thing I do know, people don't belong to people. They belong to God. Amen. Amen. So they, the, the, the Pharisees are up to their same old stuff over and over and over again. In chapter 12, it's interesting. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Well, we might as well go into this because it, it connects to resurrection power. So so Jesus got Lazarus out of the tomb. He walked out under his own resurrection power. There's something different about this man now. Amen. He's he's tasted death but then he's raised up into his same mortal body. So so he's got a different power working in him now. And it says here <clears throat> Verse 12, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, so he's got six days to live, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag where the money was stored and that, and that was put where the money was put in. 
And then said, Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always, always have. Much people of the Jews therefore knew he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. So every every show and tell they have of this dead man brought back to life, amen, is is for that purpose. Now, it's interesting. Jesus has raised Jairus' raised Jairus's daughter from the dead, but he told them not to tell anybody. Amen. So there is a time to reveal things to people. Why did he tell them not to tell? Because they won't believe it. He doesn't like to keep trouble going. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you know, good advice, parents. Don't tell anybody. Just let them think what they want to think. Most of them will think she got sick and got better. You know, if they ever knew she was sick. So it's not always the time to release revelation to a bunch of unbelieving people. Jesus knew he was going to have to let somebody die and get up before these blind people would really see that he was who he purported to be. It's kind of interesting that, you know, when, when Jesus had the little girl brought back to life, there was no buzz about that. Remember the the woman with the issue of blood? There was buzz about that. You know, after that, Jesus couldn't go anywhere without them laying sick people in the street and says, perhaps they could touch the hem of his garment as many as touched him were made whole. So she had a revelation that was released into the atmosphere for all you atmosphere people. You know what I'm saying. Heaven and earth records things. People find out. And, and so, but, but there was great faith on that revelation for people to believe to be healed. Raising from the dead is in a totally different realm. That's going to take something else for people to believe, but it's possible. So when this this little girl was raised from the dead, Jesus told the parents, don't don't spread it around. You know, we'll just let the people who are here, we'll let the funeral growers, you know, have their minds messed up. You understand what I'm saying? People say, well, they're just in shock from her. Oh, she didn't really die. She just, you know, we understand. I know you were overcome with grief and you thought you saw her die. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to explain away. So Jesus is full of wisdom. He says, no, don't, don't try. Don't you be the bearer of this news. Amen. There are certain times it was okay to give testimony. Why? Because people had the, the, the faith to receive it and grow from it. But if it's not going to add anything to, to what he's trying to do, he told them, that, you know, eh, you know what? Don't, don't spread it. Don't spread it, darling. Don't let it get out. Amen. It was enough for the people who were there. The people that really were there, only four people saw that girl raised from the dead. The mourners who were there could go away and say what they wanted to say. Amen. I thought it was cool. He made them feed her their food. 
that they made for her. Give her that, that chicken you got. You made it for her, didn't you? Well, give her some of it and just walk on out. You understand what I'm saying? And so he proved to the parents that the girl was alive and well. Not alive and convalescing, but alive and well. If you can eat chicken wings and potato salad and, you know, macaroni and cheese, all that stuff, then you're pretty well in my book. You you don't need anything else. Amen. But see, here with Lazarus, it's a different story. He has to get, he's evangelizing with, if, if you want to put it that way with Lazarus, he's trying to win these people over and he knows it's going to take a demonstration of power that they can never refute. Amen. And still there were people hanging around with one thing in mind and that is, let me see if I can get Jesus in some more trouble. Let me see if I can win some points down at the synagogue. Cause he's not, he's not going to be raised from the dead. I mean, that, that stuff he tells, I don't believe that stuff. I think this temple is always going to be here and I got to stay in good with the people at the temple. So if I can turn on him, then I can get something out of this. And that's what they were thinking. And so here Jesus is, is again demonstrating to them. He's telling them. I'm going to die, but I will be raised up in the third day. We're not really sure if Mary really believes that. Because she is so, so moved by love with Jesus. Amen. He who is forgiven much loves much. She was forgiven of much. Amen. That's why she loved him so much. She is worshiping him in a form of thanksgiving and not really understanding what she's doing with that perfume. She just knows it's the most precious thing that she has. Amen. Single women kept, um, they were given as part of their dowry an alabaster box of perfume. They were to, at the time they were, the engagement was announced, they were to anoint the feet of their intended spouse with that perfume. Huh? Mary said, uh, I don't think so. I found him already. I have found the one my heart longs for. Any man that comes after this is going to have a tough act to follow. Amen. God's going to have to twist my arm, tell me something and prove to me with infallible proofs that I'm supposed to marry this dude. Amen. Amen. So she spills it all out right there. She lets Jesus know how precious he is to her. Amen. It's the same thing with us when we worship him. Amen. We pour out a perfume. Our worship is holy. It should be pleasing to him. Amen. You know, we don't, we don't worship in, in antics. You know, like you see some people do. Everybody's got to outdance everybody. And, you know, like, <laughs> like they do in the club, <laughs> club dancing. That's about what it amounts to. You know, I mean, come on now. 
If you can do that out in public, you should be able to worship him in private. Amen. So Jesus said, you're going to have poor people with you all the time. But me, you won't have all the time. Look at the war on poverty in this nation. Have we made a dent in that? Uh huh. You can war against stuff all you want to, but the Bible, the scriptures can't be broken. Jesus said, you're going to have poor people with you all the time. Somebody's going to mess up a paycheck. Somebody's going to blow what they had. Somebody's going to be set out. That's because it's going to happen. Amen. And we, we, we come to people's aid. That doesn't mean you don't help people. But that mean does not, that doesn't say you can totally eradicate it. I don't care how much mammon certainly isn't going to fix it. Throwing more money at poverty has never fixed it. Amen. The issues are much more deeply rooted than that. So you're going to need God's hand in whatever you do to get rid of and help people. Amen. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. So it says, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, who he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus to death also. So here there's a bounty on his head, even when he was raised from the dead, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So they're hemorrhaging people at the synagogue. Every time Jesus preaches and does miracles, they lose a few. Amen. Not as many as they should have lost, but they keep losing them. When Jesus is finally crucified and raised from the dead and the church is birth they're going to lose more there they were losing a handful at a time sometimes a whole bunch of them would walk away but after jesus is is raised from the dead and the apostles begin to preach they're going to lose them in in whops of five thousand at a time so they're going to continue to hemorrhage people as long as the gospel's preached amen the only way they stop stop the gospel is try to stop the vessels that god is using amen and they're not very good at that either amen because the the apostles go on to birth the church and to operate in this resurrection power so jesus when he's raised from the dead in i think it was john we saw john 28 was it where was i at with that John 28, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. Where did he say that? It's the Lord. Sorry, Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, he begins to visit his church his people amen 28 we'll go to verse 9 and as they went to tell his disciples behold jesus met them saying all hail and they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him this is after he had descend as ascended to heaven amen 
and descended from heaven. And it says, and Jesus said to them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there they shall see me. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money to the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if it comes to the governor of the ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So here you see a conspiracy on top of conspiracy, trying to keep the power away from the people. They These Pharisees are smart enough to know that as long as people believe and as long as this, the gospel is preached, they're going to lose everything. So they just as soon continue to conspire and continue to persuade people into a lie. So, so they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying was commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee and to a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Amen. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded to you, and lo, I am with you always into the end of the age. Now, in Mark 16, we see the same the same parting, or, or where Jesus says, verse 14, after he appeared unto the eleven, and they sat at me, and he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. So see, that unbelief and that spirit of of not wanting to believe. You know, sometimes you can believe if you try. Do you ever notice that? If you really, you, you really question your doubts and begin to meditate on what you read in the Bible and meditate on what you hear and let it sink in. It's really a matter of of putting forth some effort to believe. You just know faith comes by hearing. Yeah, but you got to grab that. You got to open yourself up to it to receive it and believe that not only God's word is true, but he wants it for you. He, It's true for you. It's true in your situation. See, many times people hear hear testimonies, and they'll believe God did it. Oh, yeah, 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 praise the Lord. But then they walk away in unbelief. They don't think he'll do it for them. The ones who believe it get the benefit of it. Amen? This is, I remember I remember when uh, Nene was still with us, I had given a testimony about, you know, uh, I think it was my car tire going bad or something like that, and, Oh, yeah, 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 the transmission story. How could I forget the $3,000 that I didn't have to pay for a transmission? And I think she she was sitting listening to it, and, and something happened with her car. I don't think it was a transmission. Hers might have been tires or something. And she said, I told the Lord, Pastor Barb said, you're going to fix my car for me. It won't cost me anything. And sure enough, she got it. Why? Because she mixed faith in what she heard. 
Now, there's other people that were sitting there. I don't know their situation with their cars, but I would doubt that some of them are paying for repairs when they don't have to. All you need to know is the bottom line. What did she fork over? Zero. Amen. What do I fork over? A zero. And see, some of y'all still got unbelief. Won't say amen, won't say nothing, just, ooh. Am I right, Poppy? I'm working hard today, ain't I? She works hard for no money. (laughs) She works hard for no money. (laughs) Amen. I do it for the love of God. I do it all over again. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. So he he says here, he appeared to them as they sat at meat and upbraided them where their unbelief and hardness are hard. He'd probably been listening to their conversation. Amen. Because he didn't just pull this out of thin air. They're sitting there eating and say, well, I wish he was here. You know, if he's here, we'd be real good. You know, we'd be fishing on the right side of the, the boat, whatever. Amen, because they didn't believe the testimony of the people that had told them he was risen. you got to believe God's word. Amen. Even when it's demonstrated, you got to rely totally on that word. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, why would he say that to a bunch of unbelievers? Because that's the only cure for unbelief is faith. He said, sit, go. Well, do I need to repent of unbelief? No, go. You'll find out what to do when you get there. Once you open your mouth and start preaching, even if you don't believe it, faith is going out. Maybe you need to see it confirmed with signs following, and then you'll be a believer. But he said this. He that believes, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And the Lord went forth in verse 20. They went forth and preached everywhere. Even after being upbraided for unbelief and hardness of heart, they got it together. And the Lord worked with them, confirming the word with signs following. So the preaching is our responsibility. The signs following, what follows is God's responsibility. If you don't see signs following, don't keep, don't quit preaching. Keep preaching and they'll follow. You know, sometimes God is testing us to see if we'll keep at it. He, he gets rocket preachers all the time. They start out real, real fast, real hot and heavy, shoot up, fizzle out and fall to the ground. He's looking for people who are going to stay with the message. If it takes you 10 years to figure out what the missing ingredient is to see people recover and and to lay hands on the sick, you stay with it. Amen. God just wants you to stay with it. And those people recover. You may not get to see it or get to know it, but that's the purpose of faith is to keep you doing it. 
whether you ever see it or not, is to keep you doing it. Amen? Who was it? They said John Wesley, uh, somebody had a <laughs> copy of A Day in the Life of John Wesley when he first started preaching. He went to this church and preached, and they kicked him out. Second church threw stones at him and told him not to come back again. He did that all day long. Nobody received what he preached. He finally went and stood on his on the in the graveyard of his father and stood on his tombstone and preached. Amen. I guess he said, I won't get kicked out of here. But you know what Wesley was able to accomplish. Amen. Started the Protestant Revolution. Amen. And and so we we need to understand <clears throat> that God is the one who confirms. He just wants obedient servants. Amen. He wants us to obey him, to step out in faith and to do in the say. And, and many times he can delay a, a confirmation. Amen. Just so that he knows you're out of the way of the glory of it. He does it to preserve us and to preserve us in working for him. You hear too much good report too soon. You think it's you. Don't say you won't because many do. So let God be God. Let him do what he does and you do what you do. Amen. It will be all good. All right. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for giving us understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with knowledge, revelation, resurrection, power, and life that we live in right now. We thank you for it, Lord. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. If anybody needs prayer, I'll pray her for you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in each and every one of us. That power is able to do everything that God ordains it to do for you, for those around you. So never think the problem is power. Know the power is there. There is no problem. Just keep releasing it. Keep expecting. Keep believing. Keep worshiping. Keep praising. Keep thanking. And you're all good. You're all good. You're all good. You're all good. Those of you who can't stand to your feet, amen. I'm gonna have you do something prophetically that'll that'll straighten you out. Those of you who you stay seated, you just receive by faith. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to turn around one time and declare, I receive my new day in Jesus' name. Now receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it all over the room. Let it come in. Let the anointing come in all over the room. You already received it. Let it come in now. Sit in front of a chair. Impartation. 